Fix the Convince. Welcome to the Fix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, New Spark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hello out there. Remember me? It's Paul Mosenson from New Spark Consulting. I'm a fractional CMO, lead generator, and nice guy and podcaster. Anyway, um, it's been a while since I did one, but uh, this is interesting topics as always. And when we talk about marketing and sales working together, and um, we have a special guest today who I met recently. His name is Tom Burton. Good morning or good afternoon, depending when you're listening, Tom. <laughs> uh, good afternoon. I guess it is afternoon now. Hey, Paul. Good it to is, be here. How are you? So, uh, so Tom um, is a... I guess a revenue guru, and I'll just uh, read the bio. So he is a co-founder of a company called LeadSmart Lead Smart Technologies, which is a second-generation CRM and customer intelligence platform for wholesale distribution? Yes, correct. Okay, interesting. Yeah, very vertically focused. Um, I played in the space there recently. Oh. I also recently released a... I, I'm, he wrote his I and I'm reading. It's he. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's why this is fun here. Okay. So he recently released a new book called The Revenue Zone, which I've read. The ultimate playbook for the next generation of B2B sales, marketing, and predictable revenue growth. And he is the co-host of a new podcast, which we'll get into that, um, called Social Selling for Newbies, as if we need that. But maybe we do, as you've identified. So, but thanks for uh, joining me today. We're going to have some uh, good questions about all the different things you do and why the audience should care about revenue growth and the best practices, according to you, um, on uh, marketing and sales working together and things like that. So, ready to go? Let's do it. All right. So, I was reading your background, very interesting. not your Zoom background now, uh, but um, have you found your engineering and computer science background helpful in what you do now in sales, marketing, and building companies? Yeah, no, I have a bit of a, 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 I guess, different background in the sense that I went to college and school for computer science and engineering. But when I got out of school, I got more interested in the business side of things, mainly because as I tell people I was developing software and I was like, you know, constantly complaining to our sales team that we weren't selling enough of the software that I was building. And they were like, well, then why don't you come and, you know, deal with the customers and and help us market this. And, you know, I was young and arrogant and I was like, okay, then let's do it. And um, obviously it was kind of jumping in the deep end as it relates to sales and, and marketing. And I've really sort of stayed more in the business sales and marketing side since then. That was almost, I guess, 25, 26 years ago. So, yeah, I think I have a, a, a bit of a unique way that I tend to look at sales, marketing, and and just the whole revenue side of the business from that engineering standpoint, you know, is I try and look at things on how you can systematize things, how you can have repeatable processes, how you can test and find what things are working. And, and then, of course, add in if there's always a human element and a relationship element into it as well, which is which is very important, don't get me wrong. But I think with the right engineering aspect of it as well, the relationship plus the 
the data and the engineering can really have some some pretty significant massive results. So yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a different background than most sales and marketing people that I that I talk to. Well, it's a different mindset, right? Because you're more of a tech data guy, but um, but you know, in marketing, I guess in sales too, really. But you know, the I always talk about in my communication the process of convincing. What does that mean? Marketing and sales. We're just a convincing environment. That's all we do every day. Is somewhere we're convincing somewhere, right? And um, but the uh, um, you we're talking about you know, using data and science and your background that contributes that convincing argument combined with, you know, maybe more of the creative, I'm using quotes here on the messaging side and the offer side that all have to work together for someone to say, I need that. But, um, but I guess that's, uh, it's an interesting background when you do the tech side, because that's, um, you build it and you know what, you know what it's used for and you know the benefits it has, right? And that's really the point. Yeah. And I think to your point about convincing or, you know, part of you're trying to get somebody to agree with what you're, what you're proposing. And that comes down to a couple of areas. One is I need to, and I don't like the word, sometimes I don't like the word convince because sometimes think people think it's like, oh, I'm trying to manipulate or I'm trying to force somebody into something, but you're still trying to change their agreement and their mindset. So you're doing that by creating demand for your product or service, like real demand, like real emotional desire. And at the same time, you're doing that by building trust in yourself and your business. So if you can convince somebody, so quote unquote, to that your product, that you really need your product or service, that it's really you know, essential and there's an emotional demand to it. And at the same time, convince them that you're a trustworthy organization to do business with, you'll win every time right? Or you'll win a large percentage of the time. Um, again, I don't like the word convince from a standpoint of, hey, I'm trying to push them into something or manipulate them into something, but more I'm trying to guide them and help them understand so that they can create the demand for themselves and they build the trust, which I think is really important. But yes, yeah, so you are changing their mindset, their agreement, and, you know, and also convincing them to take action and move forward. So yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit of a loaded word. Yeah, but it's still the big picture, though. We mean, right. you know, I mean, everything we do is still about, okay, you win. I'm going to buy this because I trust you. Right? Yeah. So, and, and I, I want this. This is really necessary, right? I, yeah. I really want this, you know. Well, that's what demand generation is. Um, all right. So maybe we'll just use the persuade. We use the word persuade instead of convince. Now I'm on. There we go. Okay. So, you know, like, should I avoid you or ignore you? I always hated that. Uh, you know, hmm. so. I don't even know the difference there. But anyway, that's a whole nother story for the linguistics podcast later on. Yeah. All right. So anyway. Um, all right. So we wrote a book and it's a B2B book. Um, tell me about it and what the premise is and, um, and why you did it. Well, I'll answer the second question first. Why I did it is I found myself, you know, in our company and this was before right before, or I guess it was right after COVID or shortly after the, the whole lockdown. And I found myself in a board meeting talking about our forecasts and our pipeline. And I realized that I really didn't have confidence in what I was saying. And that was different for me. It's not like this is the first time or that was the first time I'd been in a board meeting talking about forecasts and pipeline and, and revenue, but 
I realized I didn't have a really good grasp on the pipeline and where my prospects really were and so forth. And it kind of was a punch in the stomach at that meeting, long, long story short. So again, kind of taking my engineering background, I was like, okay, something's changed. I really got to look into this. And so I really started to study what was going on. And I kind of knew this going in, but I didn't have the appreciation for it until I really dug into it is that the buyer, the buyer process is very different, duh, right? I mean, obviously, but I don't think it really hit me. And I was really trying to do what I had always done, you know, my old school approach with a buyer that was going about things very differently. And I think I, speaking of convinced, I think I had convinced myself that I really understood the buyer process and I was in control of that buyer process. And that was the mistake. When I realized that wasn't the case anymore, I knew we needed to look at something different. So um, it's a change in mindset in a sense that realizing that the buyer is in control of their own journey, whether you like it or not, right? They have access to anything and everything that they could possibly want. So you have to accept that. You have to convince yourself that that's the new world that we're in and change that mindset. And then you have to then look at the strategies and the techniques that you're going to use in this new way of doing things. Because what are you going to do? Just throw up your hands and say, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that somebody buys something. I mean, that's not a good strategy either. So you you have to have strategies and techniques that make sense in this new world. And that was really the focus of the book and what I tried to put together. And the book kind of came as a byproduct of the research and the and the actions that I was doing at the time, because I knew if I was running into it, a lot of other people and companies were as well. Yeah, totally. You know, you bring up a lot of good points and, you know, it, I guess like every sales manager, you know, you go through whether it's Sandler, Miller, Hyman, sales acceleration, whatever it is, right. You know, there's process there, you know, there's like, you know, the metrics part of sales and there's also the human part of sales. Right. And, um, and understanding how to deal with customers on their own regard without, you know, it's always that, you know, we get under pressure to make deals. Right. But then mm -hmm. sometimes you got to step back and relax because they're not ready yet. And so I guess that's always like a, a challenge that sales management has to figure out the best ways to, you know, to deal with the sales team, right? Well, and, and it's funny, you, you know, we go back to that word, right? Persuade or convince. Yeah. Why, a, why are prospects generally not wanting to deal with salespeople? Because they don't want to be persuaded. They don't want to be convinced. They don't want to be pressured. They want to do things, you know, do you want to be pressured? Or I don't, I don't think anybody does, right? From that perspective. So, you know, back in the day, you had to talk to a salesperson. I mean, think about buying a car 10, 15 years ago. You didn't go online to learn, learn everything about the car, compare, look at pricing. You had to go into the dealer. You had to talk to the salesperson, right? In order to get information, access to information, you had to talk to a salesperson, which was great from a sales perspective because now you were in control. You know, you controlled the information, you controlled the process. And a lot of the things like you mentioned, Sandler and a lot of those sales systems are kind of built with that mentality or that mindset in place. But that's not the case right now. So the prospect doesn't need me as a salesperson anymore. It doesn't need my company as a salesperson, nor do they want it. What they want, though, is the information and the research. You know, as I always say, people love to buy. They just hate to be sold. It's not that they're not buying. They just want to go through the buying process in a bit of a different way. And 
like I said, what are we going to do? Just sit back and hope that they fall into our camp? No, that's that's dumb too, right? That's not a good business strategy. But we have to build our processes and our strategies and our approach based around the fact that the customer is in control. They have access to all of this information. They're not wanting to deal with salespeople as a rule unless they want to, right? All of those things, we have to change our approach. And that's, again, kind of the things we what I go through in the, in the book in a lot more detail. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'll tell you what, though, this is a good conversation. I know we're doing tangents here, but it's good, though, <laughs> is um, the um, like from a marketing perspective, right? Like if salespeople aren't or they're chilling a little bit, right? You know, a buyer is trying to get this information. They might go back to Google, do some blogs, make sure they're doing the right thing. Are there other solutions out there than this company who outreached me? Or maybe I downloaded a guide from them, but maybe they're not the only ones I want to deal with. Maybe I'm just learning about it. Now I'm ready to go back and actually do more research and, do, and I'm in now decision mode. So I'm going to look at different companies anyway. Um, you know, it's a mouthful, right? But then it goes back to how good the website is. Am I getting validation that this company can help me do my do this without even talking to a salesperson, right? Mm -hmm. So you think about all those things, marketing and sales working together, because, you know, at the end of the day, the stakeholders are going to say that yeah, these guys might be good, right? Um, but if you're yeah, not- and, and you know, not to go off on a tangent about yeah, marketing and sales, but um, I, every day I am more and more convinced that a siloed sales and marketing organization is stupid, right? Yeah. It's like, it's a revenue organization yeah. And you're working together to accomplish a, a common outcome. And yeah, there's a lot that you have to do together. Um, and I think the line starts to even over time, the line between a salesperson and a marketing person will get more and more blurred, you know, and I think it's been blurred, but I think it's especially the SDR concept or whatever. It's kind of a blur between sales and marketing without bound. But I think more and more the line's going to get blurred and it's just going to be, hey, I got a team that whose job is to generate revenue in this new world, which is to create demand and build trust. That's what my job is or our job is collectively. And we'll figure out who has what role in that process. But it's a siloed sales and marketing is, yeah. I think, a thing of the past. For sure. You know, it's almost like a, like a baton, right? Where marketing builds the initial trust, right? And then once they're engaged to demos, trials, whatever it is, right, that now the baton goes to sales, okay, continue the trust, continue the trust. And we'll help you with sales engagement or, you know, yeah. share this blog or yeah. do something, share some information, you know, those kinds of things. Well, it's knowing what to share at the right time in the right place. That's a big part of the book, right? The yellow brick road that I go into in the yeah. book is... How do you provide the right content, the right information at the right time and the right place as that prospect is ascending, you know, in their in their demand and in their trust? But um, again, marketing and sales need to be pretty closely aligned and you have to have the right content. You know, you see in the past, right, marketing may just release some, you know, the three tips for how to do something better that has zero relevance to moving that prospect on that yellow brick road toward what I consider to be the revenue zone. So anyway, we could, we could, we could yeah, really yeah, deep sure. on that, but I think you get the general idea. So yeah, it is. It is. Um, anything else you want to talk about with marketing and sales together? You know, I think we talked about a few of that. I mean, you know, listen, you talk about cold, cold calls and I know there's cold emails. It's just part of the process. 
it's a little bit of a challenge sometimes when, you know, depending on the budget, you know, I do inbound, outbound, all those things, but, um, but I guess the real picture is the strategy more than just the, uh, the tactic, I guess. But why don't you go into a little more about, especially in the book about the, um, you know, the whole MQL, SQL, cold strategies, things like that, and, um, and make sense of it. Yeah, so I think really important to separate out the strategy and the technique from the channel, right? So you hear people saying, well, email's dead, or phone calls are dead, or, well, email is a channel, phone call is a channel, social is a channel, right? Text messaging is a channel. So all of those channels are still very valid and appropriate channels as far as communication. We're on Zoom, right? That Zoom meeting is a channel. It is a form of a way for us to communicate, you know, one way or the other. So I, I think that's the first thing is that we have to separate out the channel from the strategy. And there's always going to be a place for email. There's always going to be a place for phone. There's going to be a place for Zoom. There's a place for all of these different channels. What you need to look at, though, is how do you want to use those channels from a strategy standpoint, again, with the goal of creating demand and building trust. And again, that, that's those are the two elements that need to be in place to have somebody in the revenue zone. And the revenue zone, in my definition, is a place where I guess you, if you were in the sales world, you'd say it's a highly qualified opportunity, right? It's an opportunity of a company that is seriously considering doing business with you um, because you've created that demand and you've created that trust or you're in that direction. So yeah, I think the, again, it's all about first looking at the strategy and technique and then figuring out the right channel to do that. Now, there's always a right, in fact, customers or prospects want to a lot of times talk to a salesperson if at the right time in that process, right? Okay, well, let's say that, you know, on step 22 of their journey, it makes sense for them to talk to a salesperson. Well, that's okay. That's a strategy or that's part of the strategy. The channel that that's done could be on Zoom. It could be an in-person meeting. It could be a phone call. It could be a WhatsApp. It could be whatever, right? Whatever would be relevant or make sense based around what you're selling and and how you're doing it. You know, in a lot of cases, it does make sense to have a face-to-face -face visit with a salesperson, depending upon what you're selling in that stage. But it's at the right point, right? And now you're actually getting the most, you're getting a lot out of it from the sales and marketing side, and they're getting a lot out of it from the from the buyer side. So yeah, I'm a big, and again, the, the book is all about, right? That's why I call it the playbook for the next generation. It's about defining those strategies and techniques in the right way. And then you can figure out as part of that, the best channel to accomplish that as you go forward. So that's the big thing. And we're, we've just been using email and phone and cold calling. I'll just call them obsolete strategies, right? You know, yeah, call, well, cold calling me to me is an obsolete strategy that doesn't make sense or work anymore. Maybe it made sense and work 10 years ago. It doesn't make, as a reason to get me on the phone so I can do a demo or, a, or you know, push me on selling something. I have companies that run teleservices companies, so I'll be careful there. <laughs> but um, you know, but you know, but I hear you though. It's really about um, the ROI, you know, the average sale value to make those kinds of companies work because it's a lot of money and time to make an appointment. Doesn't mean they're going to sell. So you got to work backward and lifetime value and all this and all that to see, uh, you know, get an ROI from those. But that's a whole nother story. So, 
Well, and, I, and, I, and again, I don't know every industry, but I know, right. you know, in the tech industry, and I know a bit about like the wholesale distribution manufacturing world, which is what we're in in LeadSmart. And I have yet to see any company recently that is using cold outbound in a cost where it's, there's a good return on investment, right? It's not like they're never getting an, a result, but the cost of that result or the cost, and when they're getting somebody, they're not generally a very good lead or good prospect anyway. So if you look at that it compared to the amount of sales that they receive or the revenue return on it, it's hard to justify. Um, so again, you want to be doing things that are not just more moderate and relevant right now, but are more that have a, a much better ROI and a much better return on what you're doing. No, I agree. You know, it's actually um, part of my uh, little sales pitch myself is um, warm, you know, warm lead generation, right? Which is more of, um, it's another story, but, you know, using intent technology as well as the lead magnet, because at least you're following up with people with clues versus pure cold, right? Yes. Um, so it becomes more of a um, little tighter, you know, audience there who something is going on at a company we should find out right so well and again i i'll just take myself right sure i i had this happen i don't know even a week ago i went to a website i downloaded a white paper or something an ebook or something just because i was interested in the topic that they were talking about ironically the software they were selling i already owned that's what was the most hilarious thing about it. okay i was i was swarmed I was swarmed for the next five days with phone calls, text messages, email. Really? And, okay. and I'm already a customer, but they didn't know that clearly, right? And they were just going to swarm on me because I downloaded a, an ebook about something that I was interested in. Like I did, and I finally just like said, please do never call me again. Like I was pissed at them. I was like, this is like awful experience, right? But had I been at, actually been looking for their software and I was going through my research and I was moving along, I would have welcomed a call or an outreach at the right time. It just wasn't the right time when I downloaded an ebook and it certainly was never the right time to swarm. Right. right? Swarm thing is like, you know, that's a turnoff. Let's just face it. I don't care. Anybody wants a swarm. And, and I had swarms from probably five or six different people. So there was some sort of like round robin going on or something inside their organization. And they certainly, you know, the left hand didn't know the right. And this is a big company, by the way. This wasn't a tiny little company along the way there. So yeah, yeah it's it's like, and I would, I and so now if if you said, if I were, would I refer that company to somebody else? I'd be like, no, shit, no. It's like, why do you want to go to deal with them? It's like, you're going to be swarmed, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a whole nother story, but um, yeah, I hear you. Well, let's go back to your, um, speaking of software, your company, LeadSmart, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, tell me more about it. What does it do? Why is it different? Uh, what's the focus? And uh, what problems are you solving? Yeah, so there's a couple things. that we're, First of all, it's currently a very vertically focused solution. So uh, my partner in the business has 35 years in wholesale distribution, which is manufacturers and sales agents and distributors and which is not my background by the way but um i'm i'm learning the industry quite well and you know they have some very because of that ecosystem that exists where you have manufacturers and distributors and sales agents and brokers and dealers 
there's a, a unique sort of, you know, it's not like I just have an internal sales team and that's it, right? There's all these different sort of players in the ecosystem involved in a sales process. And what I learned, you know, through my partner and by being involved with these companies is the visibility they had about what was happening as a manufacturer or even as a distributor. I mean, there's just the, the sophistication of their sales techniques and their sales strategies and the, how they use data and, and so forth was not, is not very, um, not very sophisticated, let's put it that way. And they're generally have been late adopters of technology, but the world is changing and, you know, they're having to adapt quickly. So uh, LeadSmart, the product we created was is called Channel Cloud, and it's designed for companies that are in this wholesale distribution that sell through this ecosystem of people. So it's very uniquely focused, but it's also designed, and I think this has more application certainly beyond wholesale distribution. We just happen to be focused on that vertical right now to really leverage data to help the sales organization and the marketing organization, as I say, kind of give them a flashlight on where they should go. And because it's different, right? If I'm a distributor, if I'm a wholesale distributor, I may be selling thousands of products and I'm selling the same products over and over and over. They could be consumable products. They could be, you know, all these different things. Um, I have a wealth of data in my organization that I'm not using to help me give kind of a guidance on how I better serve our customer. And as it gets more competitive, unless you just want to completely compete on price forever, right? And, and which is not really a good business model. You have to compete based around the experience and the service and the sophistication that you're bringing to your customer. And again, going back to the same thing, are the customers in this industry are expecting a different experience than they were a few years ago. And they expect the company to know a lot about them. So LeadSmart is, from a technology perspective, we're really incorporating data into what we're doing so we can provide some smart guidance and analytics, but then we vertically focused it on this industrial wholesale distribution, distribution area. Yeah, it's a mouthful, but just uh, for a bigger picture though, <laughs> um, you know, so a lot of the audiences there, like, I guess they're selling to retailers, for example, right? Well, manufacturer may make something, right? So this microphone that you're using is made by a manufacturer, but you probably didn't buy it directly from the manufacturer. You bought it through a retailer or a distributor, right? Or you know, and then you bought it as a consumer. But as a business, you might go to Granger or you might go to somewhere else to buy, you know, tons of regional distributors and stuff like that to go buy the the type of equipment that you're using. Um, you know, sometimes that equipment is is consumable, you know, so it's something that I use and then I need another one next month and another one the next month. Sometimes it's a project-based thing. Sometimes, hey, you know, I'm maybe if I had 10 more people, I need 10 more microphones, right? So all of those types of things are what a distributor or a dealer is, is dealing with. Yeah, so yeah, there are a lot of elements. And I, and I guess having a CRM to manage all those relationships and what their needs are. And again, I'm so used to like, tasks and appointments and yeah. using all that with CRM, right? Even so we, we did a lot to build out that ecosystem. So in the CRM, they can go in and see the ecosystem. So again, if I'm a manufacturer, as an example, I'm making microphones, I can see all my dealers and distributors that are selling that, who is making more sales, who isn't, 
all of those types of things. If I'm selling a whole line, different line of products, maybe I sell, you know, all kinds of audio visual products. And I see that one distributor seems to be buying a lot of microphones, but they're not buying microphone stands. Well, what's up with that? How can we help them buy more microphone? Sort of how to get more wallet share and all of those things. Very sort of different needs than your more traditional thought process of tracking tasks and activities and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, just a sidebar here. Do you work and integrate with ERPs? We do. That's one of the biggest things that we take data from. So the, the more common things in our industry that we take data from is ERP, e-commerce. A lot of companies are starting to build their own e-commerce platforms yeah. and uh, marketing systems, marketing automation type systems and email and those things. Those are the three primary um, systems that we, which, which have customer data and prospect data in them that we use to aggregate in our CRM to help them, like I said, kind of provide a flashlight on, on where to go. Okay. All right. So we got the CRM for wholesale distribution, Weed Smart. We have the, the wonderful revenue book, right? That yeah. um, talks about, you know, optimizing marketing and sales together with new technologies and strategies and things like that, including what you call the yellow brick road, which is again is what? <laughs> well, it's the, the yellow brick road is working out, right? What is the road that you want to bring your prospect down from the point where they may know just a little bit about you and a little bit about your product to the point where you have created demand and built trust. So again, rather than crossing your fingers and hoping that that occurs, how do you guide your prospect right. down the yellow brick road? And again, it's not perfect, but it's how do you do it as efficiently as possible so that you are guiding them towards that revenue zone rather than hoping and waiting for them to just stumble into the revenue zone, right. which is not likely going to happen. It's called direction, right? You know, direction, yeah. Direction. That's, yeah. Good. All right. Now the fun part here, um, element number three, all of a sudden we're doing a podcast too, your own, right? With somebody that I actually know, by the way. Who I did a podcast with two years ago. Who's that? Brandon. Lee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. So Brandon's a, Brandon's a good friend, and I've known him for quite a while. Um, I don't know, and I and Carson Hetty is uh, an enterprise salesperson at Microsoft who I've gotten to know uh, because of my book, actually, and um, and both of them are very very big proponents of this term called social selling, which is a very broad term that is very misunderstood. And yet I have seen, and I think it, I know, and not only do I think I know that it dubbed the whole social selling when done properly and done with the right mindset and the right approach dovetails beautifully in what I talk about in the book. And so um, the three of us decided that there's so many people asking us questions about what is social selling and how do I do it? And is that just LinkedIn? And I mean, just like, you know, tons of questions. We said, why don't we create a podcast that is designed for people trying to figure this out, which honestly is everybody, right? It's, it's, it's like, you know, I don't, I consider myself a newbie. Um, and most of the people I talk to consider themselves, you know, cause this is early stage stuff. And this isn't about, you know, well, how do you use LinkedIn so you can get a connection and then you can pitch slap somebody, you know, that's, that's back to the same thing, right? LinkedIn is a channel. 
So if you're going to use LinkedIn, how do you use it effectively and properly? How do you use social effectively and properly? How do you really use it to, to really drive your business? And what we found is, and Brandon's found, and, and Carson, who uh, closed a nine-figure deal in his, organ, in, his, in his thing, predominantly using social. It had over 200 stakeholders in it. So we're taking this knowledge that Brandon has and Carson has, and I'm a little bit of the, I guess, the ringleader of it, kind of the conductor, right? Because they're way more knowledgeable than I am on this, but I'm learning quickly. And so, yeah, we're launching this podcast. Actually, the first episode is tomorrow, which will be September 27th. I don't know when you're listening to this, but it'll be tomorrow, <laughs> September 27th. And um, the other thing we're building on related to this is a framework. This is where my engineering comes in, is a framework for how you would do in a, a social strategy, a best practice in your organization that, again, is not an obnoxious pitch slap, but something that really, again, helps somebody get into that revenue zone and turn into a prospect and so forth. So it's a way of using social into the, to the bigger picture. You know, it's an interesting topic only because it's not new, right? Social selling, the concept, right? I'm in a, some groups, things right now with some national thought leaders. And, you know, we're all like, oh, look, now you can follow people back. There's a follow back button or whatever it is. There's always something new going on, right? Oh, here's a feature we didn't see last week. Uh, you know, whatever it is, but they're just tactics and thing. But the big picture is, you know, actually, when you think about LinkedIn, like I always like, how did that person get 100 likes in a day? you know, or whatever, right? Like what's, what's their secret? They work for a company, you know, or, you know, versus me getting, or somebody else maybe getting seven or eight and we have connect, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's algorithms. I mean, these are all these kinds of things people are always going to ask, like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Just stay at it. I'm, you know, I'm gonna, should I be uh, saving people? Should I hit the little bell and get people notified? You know, whatever it is. You know, yeah, you totally hit the nail on the head, right? There's a little mini, a lot of mini millions of shiny lights, right? That you can go after there. And you have no idea if those are going to actually create a result for you. And that's exactly what this is, is to kind of provide some clarity on that, you know, based on real life, real life application, not opinion, but real life application and best practices and, and make it actually useful. I think the big thing, you know, and then I spoke to Brandon about his tool, right? I can't remember the name of it now, but something. Funnel Amplified? Yeah, Funnel Amplified. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, but the point though is, you know, you talk about, you know, sales and marketing. And I think about, let's see, am I social marketing? Am I social selling? Like what's, you know, what is, could use that word sell, right? And, you know, social convincing, <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, am I like a marketer? Am I branding? Am I, am I making connections with possible prospects or am I salespeople doing that? Right. Or, you know, like who's doing what, like, you know, if a salesperson reaches out to someone, that means they want to sell me and I'm just trying to mark, you know, like you think about like roles at a company, right? Like, you know, maybe you connect with both of them, but um, am I sharing content and my salesperson sharing content of the same people, right? You know, I mean, these are the kind of things, and then you can start going at sales navigators that, okay, my saving list, oh, look, there's saved lists. Who are these people? Should I reach out to them? What should I say? Um, I'm not connected with them yet. Should I send them emails, right? You know, and then, you know, for a calendar link that would go, you know, whatever it is, you know, or should I use one of those crazy automated tools? Um, but anyway, but, you know, these are all the things that I would love to be on your podcast too, and just kind of like put things in perspective as far as, you know, tools, but strategy. And at the end of the day, you know how people are like, 
to be honest, folks, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter. A tool tweets for me, right? Because I don't need to be on it, but at least I'm there, right? You know, things like that happen um, and um, because of time and we're busy and this and that, but, you know, it's a big picture. How much time should I spend? You know, again, I'm preaching the choir a little bit, but these are the kind of questions people are going to ask, right? Well, we, you're, you're a thousand percent what right, which is exactly why we're doing this. And I think you've come full circle a bit from where we started on this conversation. So, and I hate the word social selling because it's got, you know, or even social marketing, right? It has connotation. What this is about, we just happen to use it because it's a term that somebody understands. Yeah. It's just not the ideal term. Yeah. It really is, how do you use social, right, to effectively drive more prospects into that revenue zone that I'm talking about? So obviously you have to get a prospect before you can have them go into the revenue zone. So how do you get and interact interact and move that prospect using social? And again, I'm, when I use the, and I'm not saying that you're not going to use phone and I'm not saying you're not going to use email. I'm not saying that, but how do you predominantly leverage social as a channel, like we've talked about, to help facilitate getting people into that revenue zone um, and buying something? So this isn't about branding per se, or even thought leadership per se. It's a strategy to get more prospects into that revenue zone that are going to turn into customers more efficiently. And that's what Carson has done beautifully. I mean, he'll in fact, you know, um, I'll send you, it's, we're doing a live, the, it's a live event tomorrow, and then we'll be releasing it as a podcast. That's what we'll be doing every week as a live event. So please okay. attend, please attend tomorrow and please ask questions. Um, but Carson is, uh, um, you know, he'll, he'll tell you over and over and over, I have closed millions and millions of dollars of revenue that I never, ever would have closed or ever received. I, had I not properly been using social as a tool to facilitate the sales process and the buyer journey, right? There's, there's no way I could have flown on airplanes. I could have done anything. The only way I've accomplished these is through social. And, and I believe that. I know I not only believe it, I, I see it, I've witnessed it, and I see it all the time. So I'm very passionate about how you use social to drive it. But just like you brought up with all those questions, it's like you've got to almost erase the whiteboard and kind of erase that at your white, your internal whiteboard on all of this and take a fresh look at it. And that's what we're trying to accomplish through this show. So I know, but don't get me started, you know, like, oh, should I post a really long blog article? Because that's the yeah. long post that people want now. And, yeah. you know, and all these are, you know, that's another day. So, um, you know, I'd like spend a Sunday trying to do a LinkedIn post or something, but um. But, yeah, know, there's just a lot of confusion and there's a lot of action that's going on, but it isn't necessarily leading towards an outcome. Right. Right. Or that it's a vanity outcome like, oh, I got some likes or, okay, well, that's nice, but you're in, you're not in the, you know, the last time I looked, likes don't pay my bills. So if you're in business, you need to be driving people towards business outcomes and yeah, um, likes may be a piece of that along the way, but it's not the outcome that you're looking for. Right, right. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, how do I'm going to put the promotion and how to contact you when I write my promotions? But um, how should contact you anyway? Well, I, I you know, LinkedIn. I'm yeah, my T Burton fifty three fifty is my LinkedIn handle. Um, 
the book, if you're interested, is you can get it on Amazon or there's also the revenuezone.com, which is the, there's a lot of resources on that site as well. Um, Lead Smart, if you're in the wholesale distribution space, love to talk to you or anywhere in that neighborhood, uh, leadsmarttech.com. And then social selling for newbies on LinkedIn. You can look that up. And like I said, this is, well, depending upon when you're listening to this, this is in the very early stages, but um, it's, it's a page on LinkedIn. Come follow the page, join the events and um, all that's gonna be you know totally free, so. Great. Well, um, thanks for joining me today. This is a great conversation. Uh, I have a feeling we could have had like a six-hour conversation. I know, all. right? We keep going. Um, yeah. But um, it, it's good highlights and good things to think about in your own um, B2B sales and marketing world is, um, you know, it's still about the customer and it's still about trust and leads will come. Just chill. <laughs> okay. That's the best. It's chill. Chill and be smart. Do it in the right way, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, and uh, don't be a scarecrow. There's that for the. <laughs> there we go. Thing, yeah. right? So, all right, um, all right. Paul Mosenson, New Spark Consulting, and thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.